It's a shocking, scandalous story about the sexual assault that wasn't, and a life that was turned upside down in the process. If this can happen to our next guest, it can happen to anyone, to you, to someone you love. 16 months ago, an Ontario teacher's assistant was arrested and charged for allegedly having intercourse with a 12-year-old boy in a break room during the school day. Now, the allegations led to the woman losing her job and not being allowed to be alone unsupervised with her own young children. The problem? It wasn't true. None of it. And that woman, Ashley Jansen, has been fully acquitted. And in a ruling that a judge has come out with scathing, scathing remarks about the policing and justice system that that brought us this story to the point where it was, to the point where it could happen that she was even arrested in the first place. Ashley Jansen now going public to reclaim her story. You can read about it in a feature at the Toronto Star, and you can hear from her right now. Ashley Jansen joining us now. Good morning, Ashley. Welcome to the Alex Pearson Show. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining you. And we're also joined by Ashley's lawyer, Alan Richter, criminal lawyer, founder of Richter Law. Good morning, Alan. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, and uh, thanks for having us on. No, absolutely. Ashley, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. This has taken an incredible toll on your life, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Someone posted yesterday, it's like a, a pillow that's exploded, and there's feathers gone everywhere, and you think you've cleaned them all up, but you continually find feathers that you need to continue to clean up. So that's that's. <laughs> The analogy that I found most fitting in the recent days. And Ashley, to help us understand what happened to you, I, I want to go back to, to two days, two dates, June 2018 and August 2022. August 2022, the allegation comes forward and you were arrested. Tell us about the day that you first learned about these claims against you and what happened. Um, so there was a knock on our door from CAS, um, and the, the only information we were given was that I couldn't be alone with my children. Uh, initially with some strong fight for my husband, um, they directed me to move out of my home. Uh, I couldn't have contact with my kids. Uh, my husband obviously was very vocal about that not being realistic. Our youngest at the time was two, um, and I was the sole caregiver for her. Um, and so that was the initial meeting with CAS. We knew nothing, uh, until a couple of days later when the CAS worker told us that there is a joint police investigation happening. Um, but to our, you know, loss of understanding, I suppose they said that there was a joint investigation, um, we had to sign safety plans that I couldn't be alone with my children. It was suggested that a third party move in, into our family home. And if that wasn't possible, I move out. Um, my husband fought so that that wasn't the case. He would be the, the sole caregiver for our children. And I just could not be alone with them. Uh, and sorry, actually, this was before you were arrested, before you knew about claims, just the first time this SAG entered your life was children's aid coming and telling yeah. you this? Yeah. Yeah. And children's aid were very tight lipped about any information they could give us. Um, and it came down to the fact that there was an ongoing police investigation. So we had sought, uh, we were given the, the phone number for the 
detective who was doing the investigation, my husband and I both called numerous times after the first week asking, you know, can this be expedited? Our our kids are being affected. I was put on leave from work. um, And no one, you know, it was very tight-lipped about what had actually, what the allegation actually was. Um, And in my career, I had been exposed to similar uh, investigation. So I assumed it would be something along the lines of they would speak to co-workers, they would speak to uh, supervisors, uh, it would all be unfounded and we'd be able to move on with our lives. Well, that was not the case in, in, in this situation. Ashley, uh, how much then, time continued from when CAS visited your home until police came and arrested you? Three weeks. And how did that unfold? What happened with the arrest? Uh, Amanda Rabisha called me on a Tuesday night, September 20th, and said, can you come in? Uh, I want to have a discussion with you. Uh, and as naive as I am, I mean, Alan and I've had many discussions afterwards. That's not something you should ever do without speaking with a lawyer first. But I went in thinking it was going to be a open floor discussion about what the investigation was between CAS and, and Durham Regional Police. My husband and I arrived on Wednesday, September 21st, um, and I was arrested on the spot without any discussion. Were you told uh, the substance of the allegations against you at that point? Yeah, after my arrest. Now, I understand, and, and I guess we'll talk about this in a moment, but that the the boy who made the allegations uh, did have a troubled situation as it was. Were you... Uh, totally floored by hearing about this? Did you go, okay, I knew there was some sort of false allegation going on in this boy's life? How, how did you respond to this news? Um, so I was given a small piece of information in the three weeks I was waiting that it was in relation to a school I worked with in, uh, in Durham. Um, and I spent weeks days, even like long nights thinking who could have possibly, what it could possibly be. Um, in the role of an EA at times, well, more often than not now, you're doing restraints, you're doing uh, classroom evacuations. Um, but this particular individual was not on my radar. And my initial thought was maybe someone complained that I did an improper restraint. Maybe there was anything. This from every aspect of the term destroyed, devastated, floored, this was so far out of my radar. With the, the severity of the allegation, with the individual themselves, because I knew when, when I was given that name the day that I was arrested, I was, I was never alone with this, with this individual. They were dangerous. They assaulted me many times. They assaulted many staff. They intimidated people. They, there was zero opportunity. I, I, I never, ever, this was the last person on my, who could this possibly have come from list. And this was all, or many of these incidents would have been documented, that the system more broadly, the principal, the superintendent, and, and, and perhaps other persons who do interventions would have known that the person who made the allegation against you was a person who did have a history of, of yes, challenging yes. incidents. A, a, a big history. Uh, he, he assaulted many people in his past. He, I mean, the, the same year that I worked at that school, um, there was a major incident. Um, and 
there was a suspension involved and that's how I ended up working in the classroom with that individual. Um, and and the, the school board was very aware and if they weren't, they were very naive to who this individual was. Ashley, the, your arrest came in August 2022. Um, this assault that has since been debunked as entirely fabricating allegedly happened four years before June 2018. Was there anything that did transpire in June 2018 that turned no. into this, this allegation? I, I think the main no. challenge here in understanding this story is what happened four years earlier and why in August 2022 would someone pick June 2018 to make such a claim? We still, you know, we, we've gone over this. We know that he had gotten into some legal trouble, some criminal trouble. Um, and so I, I don't know. There was nothing. There was not a thing, not a concern, not a date, not a nothing from that year, that week, that, I mean, if if you go through the transcript, you'll know that there was multiple days that this child alleged that this, this happened. He couldn't peg it down to one particular day, which is, you know, going through the trial is really frustrating to hear because even the police didn't pick up on the fact that he had changed, you know, the, the story um, right in the beginning. Um, so, no, the, the short answer to that is no, there was not anything. Um, so, and, and I will add kind of at this time, I know that it's been portrayed that I was with the school board up until this point, I had left the school board um, shortly after being at that that school because of the violence, because of the assault, because of the lack of support, because of the, the work environment, the workplace itself was, it, it just didn't feel safe. It didn't feel like I was supported. I was protected. I mean, and, and that has obviously come to fruition all these years later. 16 months ago, an Ontario teacher's assistant was arrested and charged for allegedly having sex with a 12-year-old boy four years previously uh, in a break room during the school day. The allegations led to the woman losing her job, being not allowed to be alone with her children unsupervised. The story, not true at all, entirely fabricated. That woman, Ashley Jansen, who is still with us, she's with us now with her lawyer, Alan Richter. Ashley has been fully acquitted And in a ruling, a judge has come out with a scathing indictment of the system that did not at all pick up on the red flags that um, that indicated that the story seems to not be true. Ashley, uh, thanks for sticking with us here. You detailed how uh, you had never been alone with this 12 year old boy at the time. There's just zero sense of, of any accuracy to this and that everybody in the system knew that uh, there was a lot of challenges going on in this boy's life such that perhaps, you know, again, not true. Ashley, how did it come about that investigators finally clued into this and finally did what the judge had said they should have done at the beginning? Uh, I guess the only way I'll give that description is we had to hire an investigator. We had to hire a lawyer. We had to hire people who sought the information that I gave. They were the only people who asked me, who should we speak to? How would we get information that would tell us that this didn't happen? And it it was the first month that, you know, coworkers of mine happily would have come forward, but were afraid to, you know, they were afraid to lose their jobs. They were afraid that 
they would get in trouble um, and, and private conversations with our private investigator that we had to pay did all of those things. But then, you know, and, and with the help of Alan, it was put before many people to, to reevaluate this, to, to look for more information and everyone seemingly, I, I don't know, maybe assumed that the investigation was good and thorough and sent it on on its way, which which put us at five days in trial before uh, Justice Peter Tetley. Alan Richter, I'd like to just go to you now. Is it not customary that prior to an arrest, the police would maybe go to such a location and maybe speak to a teacher or principal or two and say, did you ever see Ashley alone with this boy? You know, ask them like what I would think would be investigative 101 questions. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great question, Andrew, because certainly um, good and capable detectives and investigators would absolutely do that. And, and to that point, Andrew, I don't want to sidetrack things, but when you, when you talk about the failure of the system, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. The, the system can work. It's certain individuals within the system, and Amanda Rabishaw is one of them, her supervisor um, at the sex assault unit, um, Adam Ahey, uh, is, is another one. They didn't do their job. Had they done their job properly, the system would have worked as it's supposed to. And, and that's really where the failure is here. Um, a proper investigation, absolutely. You would have gone to the school. You would have looked at the room, and you would have seen that there's a, a, a floor-to-ceiling window. You would have seen that there's no lock on the door. Well, those are aspects to the story that the young person brought out that were factually uh, untrue. And now, when you go back to the transcript, uh, Amanda Rabishaw said in court that she assumed that there was a lock on the door because she used to be a youth officer years before, and it was her understanding that all the doors in schools had locks. Well, that that's, was right. completely nonsense. But that's how she, she uh, convinced herself that the young person was telling the truth. Absolutely no independent investigation. Right. Uh, Ashley, the boy was 12 years old when this incident that didn't happen allegedly happened. So 16 years old when he made the claim and I guess turning 18 pretty soon this calendar year, uh, clearly, you know, a man, 18 and then 16 is uh, a lot of people very mature at that age, uh, old enough to know better, one could say. Ashley, have, have you had the opportunity to to confront your accuser? Has there been any sort of courtroom setting where you have been able to, to face this young man? No. If you were to face him, what would you say to him about what he did to your life? I would have nothing to say. I mean, uh, clearly it's a, a struggle for mental health and, and maybe a, a cry for help. But, you know, maybe a, a question of why. But sometimes, you know, as I've been in counseling for many, many months now, the, the the questions that you have as a rational person aren't the answers you'll get from an irrational person. Ashley, you referenced being in counseling. What's next for you on a personal level? Will you go back to this line of work? I don't know. I mean, I, my, my family needs me in, in a, in a way that I haven't been able to give to them in, you know, 17 months now. I, I'm afraid of a lot of things. I'm afraid of police. I'm afraid of the people that I'm supposed to trust. I mean, it's, it's been a uphill battle to say the least. And I I don't know what I'll do next. I mean, right now, what we're asking for is answers. And what we're asking for is that this doesn't happen to somebody else. How do we stop this from happening again?
and, and maybe that's, that's a far cry from saving the world, but how do we make sure that somebody is accountable and somebody, I mean, I remember saying to Alan at some point, I would just like anybody, there was an opportunity through this whole file for any single person at any one of these tables to ask one more question and nobody did. Why? Why did nobody think to ask one more question or raise their hand and say, but let's think logically. What, what, logistically, how would this have worked? Not one person did. And where is the accountability? Why is nobody, why do I have to seek help now to remove my criminal record, to remove my fingerprints, to reapply for my passport, to be able to volunteer at my kid's school? I have to fight for all of that stuff now when all of that stuff was ripped from me. A very powerful words that you're saying, Ashley, in response to an awful ordeal that you have gone through. We're up against the clock. I, I have to let you go now. But um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Alan. I'm sorry for what you went through, and I wish you the best with next steps. Thank you so much.